This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello guys and welcome to episode 82 of the Stacey West podcast. I'm Ben and Gary is with me as always. Are you well? Can I pet that dog? I have no idea what that is, but you spoke to me beforehand and it sounds brilliant. Can I pet that dog? (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm cracking up. Um, Yes, I'm very well, mate. Apart from the background noise that we've also discussed off air, um, I'm sat in the kitchen with a fish tank that sounds like Niagara Falls. Uh, and an oven that's defrosting a chili, which purposefully we wrote on top, do not eat this during lockdown, um, <laughs> because we made it on the second night of lockdown, and the next day we cleared through three toilet rolls straight. Wow. So, I mean, that that's impressive. Yeah. Fee has a habit of going, I've made a chili, I boosted it a little bit, <laughs> and, then you, and then you'll put it in your mouth, and it'll be, and it'll be red hot, like absolutely. And she went, I think I've put too much in it. Have you? But she she puts like cream or yogurt or whatever with her chili to cool it down. And I don't like that because it's just mouldy milk. So I end up with just like red hot ringer. So do you you have it before she puts the the cream in then? Oh, yeah, yeah. She puts cream on her bowl. Oh, right. I'm not not one for cream on stuff. I'm not going for all that sort of stuff. No, that's fair enough. Um, But yeah, it's it's been... uh, Two weeks that we've not had one, three weeks that we've not had one. Yeah, we've not recorded for two weeks. We're in the first week. No, it's three the... weeks. This is the first one in three weeks. Is it? Yeah. So we've, we've not recorded for two weeks, have we? Which would be a three week gap. Yes, that's right. We recorded yeah. three weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I'd love to say that things have changed and everybody's uh, everybody's back at the bank. But sadly, uh, the situation, uh, I don't think we're going to name the virus but uh, you know the, the situation is still the same colin. as it was it's um it's colin just... is what the virus colin. is called <laughs> colin my... colin 19 from china that's how you would write it if you were in a newspaper column <laughs> my father-in-law's uh, called colin is he? yeah so let's i mean we can let's just skip that bit then. yeah we can call him we can call the virus colin but uh, my, my father-in-law is definitely not a virus he's a lovely man um so uh, what have you been up to? Like it's it's just it's weird, like watching watching old games on YouTube and and trying to to find ways of like keeping football relevant in your mind at the minute, isn't it? Yeah, I haven't I haven't watched any of the games. I confess, I think it's a great idea, but I ain't got time for that. I've got a log cabin to build. Um, my work is still more or less the same as it's always been. If anything, I'm a bit busier. Obviously, I've been running the live quizzes as well, which has taken quite a bit of time. So, um, I, you know, at the minute, looking forward to having a bit of time off at some point soon. It would be nice. And I know that's probably odd for, for people who are tearing their hair out at home, but I, I'd like an opportunity to spend all day playing computer games just once. It would be nice. I mean, I, I am now working from home, so it's um, the, the temptation is there, but I've, I've held off... Uh, you know, for for quite a while so far, which is difficult because I've got the Final Fantasy VII remake to play, which is, uh, yeah, oh, I, that game's amazing. But this isn't a gaming podcast. I do have a gaming podcast, but this isn't it. What's it called, Ben? It's called the Next Gen Basecast from Next Gen Based. Thank you for that, Gary. Um, all right. I wasn't going to be shameless, but you know, you gave me the opportunity. Well, um, I, I just I think you're going to have like a, a guest writer at some point soon. So I thought it was probably up to uh, I thought I'd probably plug that a little bit because it's it's about me now as well. <laughs> yeah, he's an up and comer. Um, he seems like he might be all right. So you know, I thought we'd give him a shot. Um, he completed CJ's elephant antics on the Commodore 64, <laughs> and I tell you, that was no mean feat. <laughs> 
but um yeah i mean it's uh, it's always nice to to sort of you know try and get back to some sort of normality um i understand the quiz went very well yes it did uh, i think the pe- pe- a lot of people took part early doors and then kind of realized that it was going to involve a bit more work and i had a, a few drop out and i can you know understand um that entirely so we reshuffled it about a little bit and we're down to the final now hopefully going to be recording that over the next couple of days um so we've got the expected final if i'm honest um kev bar wise kind of steamed through and uh, john leonard both of whom represented the imps at a televised quiz for itv digital about 20 years ago so oh wow um yeah, it was it, it was good. Uh, Chris Ray, cartoonist, CJW, he, he went through to the semi-finals. He was a good contestant. Everyone was. We've had a good laugh with it. And um, it caught the eye of a former player who liked the uh, chat format and has now lined up. If you're listening to this between 12 and quarter to seven on uh, April the 16th, which is tomorrow as we're recording, mm-hmm. um, then you can listen to... Moses Swaybu and me chewing the fat, which is something I never ever thought I would say. <laughs> I didn't. I did. Do you know what I didn't. We do you remember? I don't even. It might have even been the last one we recorded. Mm. We had a chuckle and a joke about it, didn't we? Because he'd liked something you'd put, and it's like, yeah, wow, that's random. That's out of the blue. Yeah. And, and since then, I've chatted to him and listened to some of his um, some of his work and uh, some of his work. Seen some of his articles and stuff and. I think there's an interesting story to tell there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll I'll be tuning in for that for sure because it's, uh, it's certainly going to be an interesting uh, interesting chat. So well, everyone wants to know about the chicken. <laughs> uh, and another thing, uh, this I haven't actually told you this off air, and I should have done. Liam contacted me uh, about a podcast when we when things resume, and we have bagged Jeff, Jez George. Oh, excellent. Okay, cool. So we'll be doing a recording. Liam suggested doing it over Zoom. Um, but I think at the moment, it's quite hard, isn't it, to talk about what's going on at the club because yeah. everything else pales into insignificance. And I think nobody wants to talk about youth players or Ireland or Arsenal presentations at the minute. They just want to know when football's coming back. So yeah. Um, think we'll do something probably down at the club i don't know yeah but that's quite exciting as well so oh well yeah that's that's genuinely quite uh quite excited me and I'm, i it was a actual surprise so yeah that's uh that's good um so i, I think we'll, we'll touch briefly on sort of you say what's happening with with the club and obviously it's you know not the most important thing in the world at the moment but um Liam sort of was was on the Hope and Glory podcast. I don't know if you've heard that. Um, no. Uh, but he, he basically said, you know, at the moment things are, um, they're waiting on communications from the EFL. The EFL have been fairly good in terms of the, the communication to the club. Um, but it, it sounds like the season might resume behind closed doors. Um, I expected that, I think. Yeah, so um, it... It's going to be, I mean, we, we said at the start of the season, this is a strange one. You know, obviously the Berry situation and the Bolton situation, It's it's been a bit of a farce of a season anyway. But to now have a, a season that will potentially end in June or July, depending on, you know, whatever goes on. I mean, it's obviously going to have ramifications for next year as well. Um, and I think that the the biggest thing for me is a lot of people are saying, well, we've got to get the season finished by X date. And to me, I, I think, well, why not just delay the start of next season? If, if the players need a break, which they obviously you know, will do at the end of the season, if they do cram in um, a bunch of games, I think Liam was saying that the, the plan is to potentially play something like, is it, uh, something like nine games in 30 days, um, which would be a big ask from, from the clubs. Um, How many did we play in August? Last year, and I mean, how I many was Danny complaining about? Probably seven or eight. Yeah. Do you know what? I, it's probably the most sensible way. I don't think they were ever going to avoid the season because of the um, potential legal angles. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, it, it is what it is. I think the sooner they just get it done, the better. My issue isn't with player fitness because they've had time off at the minute, and I understand, you know, it, it will not be the same as finishing the season normally. And so, you know, 
some teams will be affected by it more than others. Mm. Almost certainly those that were on a run, uh, like Tranmere, will, will be affected more than others. Um, but for me, the problem is actually preparing for next season because this season has been an arse from start to finish in League One, but now from finish all the way across. But let's say you only have three or four weeks to prepare for next season, so suddenly you're rushing transfer business through. Yeah. Um, and, and that's my concern, you know, because we're placing... At Lincoln City, we're placing so much faith, is that the right word, in um, the, the current recruitment policy, the new faces, you know, and there's quite a lot of hope for the summer that we're going to pick up certain players in for certain positions that are going to leave us looking in, you know, hopefully stronger and in a better position to kick on. And if all of a sudden, instead of having whatever summer normally is, seven, eight weeks of summer, you've suddenly got three weeks, Yeah, it's going to be very, very tough. Um, I also think the clubs that are cash rich in terms of uh, their owners, I'm thinking the likes of Peterborough. Yeah. And that's not um, that's not suggesting that it, there's anything wrong with being cash rich, but the owners that are prepared to subsidise the losses that have been made over the last couple of months and prop the transfer market up will have a big advantage over the clubs that cannot afford to do that because they're being run in a different way. Mm. So the likes of, and I'd used Peter, but that's quite unfair because they've got a decent business model, but the likes of Forest Green and Fleetwood, who um, yeah, if everything was a level playing field, wouldn't be where they are. They're only there because of the way that they've been funded. Mm. They're going to still be able to pay the bigger wages and absorb the losses, whereas teams like ourselves, Potentially your South Ends, your Gillinghams, teams that are run on a, a little bit of a tighter budget, we're not going to be paying the same sorts of wages. Mm. It's it. But then, look, there's so many variables. The key is to get this season finished. For me, you would play games until a game's a dead rubber. And if it comes to a game that's a dead rubber, you don't play that game. Simple as that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because there are dead rubbers at the end of the season. And yeah. if all you're playing for is to finish 11th or 15th against another team that are playing to finish 16th or 13th, Bin that game off, no point. It's yeah. only if, if it directly involves um, promotional relegation, I think. Yeah, I think that's probably a, a, a decent way of looking at it. And I think some people would turn around saying, "Oh, but the but the the prize fund." It's like, well, no, but you, the the prize money in League One is not going to be massive between no. you know eleventh and fifteenth or whatever. So no, absolutely, not. and the, the other thing as well, playoffs one game. If you're the team that finishes higher, you get home advantage. Mm-hmm. Bish bash bosh. No, none of this two-legged stuff. Uh, get it done quick as quick as you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's probably the the fairest way of looking at it at this point. I mean, obviously, things have changed from a few weeks ago when we when we last spoke about it, and I think you know some some more maybe calmer heads have prevailed and and looking at things slightly more. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? More sensibly, I guess. Um, hmm. So, obviously, it's going to rumble on for as long as as long as it's. Uh, as long as it's needed to, um, I think we saw. I saw the other day that France have extended their ban on mass gatherings till July. I think it is. So there's going to be no, you know, no public football in France until the end of July. So it's um, it's just it's crazy, absolutely crazy world at the minute. But... I was meant to be watching Guns and Roses at the end of May. Well, that's not going to happen, is it? I haven't paid for the tickets yet, though, so my brother's lumbered. Oh no! Well, I mean, I imagine they'll, you know, it'll be rearranged or whatever. Um, I think we've got tickets to the Hella Mega Tour, which is like Green Day, Weezer, and Fallout Boy. Um, oh, you should have said on Twitter a couple of times. <laughs> I'm just pissed off because they're not saying anything. <laughs> no, it's not on, is it? No, you know. But I, I emailed the uh, I emailed the stadium. And I said, "Look, what's going on?" And they replied and said, "Well, it's still set to go ahead." I'm like, "But it's happening at the end of June." That's probably not going to happen, is it? So no. I'm meant to be going on holiday at the end of June. I was talking to my mum about it earlier. We don't, yeah, you know, we don't know. Nobody knows anything at the minute. Everyone just pretends they know, and nobody does. Yeah, yeah. Um, you got all these newspapers going. Lockdown could go on to this day. It could go on indefinitely, but it's not going to. You've got no clue, and neither have I. So stop putting stories online. Yeah. Well, you know they've got to get that ad revenue somehow. Now that they're not selling papers. Well, they're linked to your echo, aren't they? They're furloughed their staff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, and don't forget, you know, that print journalism is incredibly volatile when it comes to times like this. And it's it's really important that, um, you know, buying a paper costs less than a cup of coffee. So if you're going to go out and buy a copy of The Sun or The Mail, buy the coffee instead. That's 
that's don't where you need either. to be thinking about. Yeah, that's don't what I mean. Either. Yeah, don't buy either. Starve the sun. I yeah. liked the fund. Somebody had put a save the sun fund, and when you read down, it was like, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. If the day ends in Y, I'll be giving the money to the NHS. Yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. Brilliant. Yeah, it's fantastic stuff. But uh, Should we do some songs? I know you haven't done any, but I, I've got some songs. Yeah, so um, Paul uh, Paul Stalabras on Twitter asked us, uh, what was the actual wording of the question? It was, first home game back, what are your imps playlists? He says, the boys are back in town, back for good by Take That. It's good to be back by Chris K- uh, Cagle, Cagle? I don't know. Um, but perhaps not anything by China Crisis. <sighs> so, yeah. So I've come up with five. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, Fulsome Prison Blues by Johnny Cash. Okay. It feels like we're in prison at the moment. Uh, Going Out in Style by the Dropkick Murphys. Okay. Uh, I've got Back Where I Belong by Rancid, which is a great tune, by the way. Yes. Uh, Anytime, Any Place, Anywhere by Carter, the Unstoppable Sex Machine. So they're all kind of based around being in prison and going out. And then the last one, I think, uh, is, is a definite. She Hates Me by Puddle of Mud. <laughs> Don't think we get away with that one. Um, <laughs> just because of the lyrics. Um, yeah. On a very, very big tangent, by the way, um, there is a video doing the rounds on Twitter of Puddle of Mud in a, uh, a live radio session. Um, okay. And they do a cover of... Um, oh, so they do a cover of a Nirvana track. Um, ah, where is it? I will probably edit this down while I'm trying to get the silence out. While you're saying that, then I need to, uh, in about 20 minutes, I'll need to take a pause because I'm going to have to put the dinner on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can leave that in <laughs> if you want. <laughs> well, yeah, they, they, go, they do a cover of About a Girl by Nirvana on this uh, mm-hmm. radio session. And honest to God, it is the worst thing that I have ever heard. And I've heard Friday by Rebecca Black. It is awful. And I would advise you to watch it because it's just funny. Okay. Who's it's, Rebecca Black? Uh, she did that Friday song. Yeah. Was it released before 2010? No. I won't know it then. Uh, Maybe? I don't know. I'll send you it and it'll get stuck in your head and you'll hate me forever. Mm, I won't watch it. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, the the immediate one that uh, that comes to mind for me is Isolation by Maximo Park. Um, Okay. It's a good track. A friend of mine went to university with Maximo Park. Really? Yeah. Okay. I saw did that. They, who, and who were the ones that did dancing like uh, Future Heads? Future Heads as well. I think he was at uni with them. I think they all went to uni in Newcastle or members of the band. Oh, okay. Went to uni and he was music press, I believe, at the uni. Okay. Yeah. And um, another one, just like All I Want by The Offspring, because I, you know, I just want to be back at the ground. So yeah. that's yeah. not even. But do you know what? Do you know what I'm going to celebrate the lockdown? I might have said this last week, and if or not last week, three weeks ago. Genuinely, Fee and I have spoken about it, and we're going to celebrate with a night in. We're gonna, <laughs> we are. We're going to go and get a Chinese because we can't get a takeaway at the minute from Laos because it's closed, and we're going to celebrate with a night in because the last thing that I could ever imagine myself doing is going out when all of the wankers in the world want to go out as well. It would be my worst nightmare. Yeah, that's fair. It's just going to be the biggest piss-up. Mm, not for me. Yeah, I, I miss taking my dog to the beach. Because what we would be doing most Fridays now, if he'd be knocking off work at R four, and obviously we're only sort of half hour from the coast, if that. So jump, what well, we're twenty, probably fifteen, twenty minutes from the coast, but from the decent beaches, we're probably half hour. And I just miss taking my dog there and then getting chips on the way back. Yeah, I really want a chippy. Like I've not eaten crap food for about two and a half weeks, and I'm I'm feeling it. I'm I'm losing my belly. I've lost half a stone, Ben. It's tragic. <laughs> Genuinely, apart from yesterday, I'd done 10,000 steps for like three weeks every day consecutively. Wow. And then there I am criticising everybody that comes past the house thinking that they're Bradley Wiggins at the minute. It's like the (laughs) Tour de Lincolnshire every single day around there. It is, honestly, the number of people that suddenly decided they want to enjoy the countryside. I was putting the log cabin up the other day and there was three lads come out of the farmyard on their bikes all together. And they stood rolling a cig- rolling fags and passing them to each other. I'm just looking at them thinking, honestly, you don't know anything about social distancing. Mm. And what are you doing near my house? Mm. If I'd got a shotgun, I would have waved it around. But I, I should have just told your neighbour. 
Uh, yeah, well, I did afterwards. I, I was hoping he would see them because I, I, he was he was wandering to and from there's some woodland there, and he was wandering to and from that with a chainsaw for about an hour. So I'd hoping that they'd see he'd see them, but he didn't. <laughs> Fair enough. My neighbour doesn't murder people, by the way. <laughs> At least that's what you tell the police. Right. Well, we're twenty minutes in. Should we talk about what we were going to talk about? Yeah, I was going to say we might as well. Um, yeah. So we've. Um, We've taken a little bit of inspiration from uh, from Radio Lincolnshire because um, they did this. I think they did this on the program uh, the other day, and they've also put the podcast out about it. So it's going to be uh, a run through of mine and Gary's top. Uh, I was going to say top ten, but it's the top eleven. So it's the eleven best um, eleven best Lincoln players in a team uh, that we would you know put together. So that we have seen. Yeah, that, sorry, yes, seen. yeah, that we've seen. So, and as a disclaimer, I have already published mine, so I'm going to be more joining in the conversation and, and debating than anything. Okay. Um, so we'll start in goal, and my pick uh, for this one was obviously going to be Alan Marriott. Um, he was the mainstay in the in the playoff campaigns. Uh, he was. As much as I will defend Peter Jackson, he was cruelly denied a testimonial by Peter Jackson. Um, and I think, uh, ultimately, he is fully deserving of that spot. Um, if I did have to pick a substitute you know, to sit on the bench, I would have probably picked Barry Richardson. Mm, okay. Is that the kick in the Macclesfield player? In Pretty the much, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh... Racism, Barry says, kick it out. <laughs> that, was the, well, that was the best T-shirt ever. <laughs> well I, I mean i agree with alan marriott i think um in 30 40 50 years time he'll probably be remembered as our um our greatest ever goalkeeper mm. although uh, it's easy for me to say i mean obviously a lot of people talk about peter Grote or david felgate um i'm sure people of a certain age would talk about dan mcphail who um whose records uh mazza broke just think for longevity um i think that he could quite easily have played another level higher. I think he was cruelly denied places in the PFA Player of the Year. Certainly once, I think Chris Wheel at Yeovil took it instead. Um, if he had been another three, if he'd been three inches taller, I think probably Mazza could have gone on and played uh, certainly championship football. Mm-hmm. You know, um, So yeah I, yeah, I was gutted the way he was treated and, it, and it, it proves that you know he went off and played however many games for Mansfield afterwards didn't he so it, it wasn't like he was at the end of his career yeah and I know uh, people will argue Rob Birch might was a better keeper um that Rob Birch had his failings as well mm. and as much as I like farm Paul Farman um if I had to pick a a reserve probably before your time this um, but I'd probably go for Ian Bowling. I really yeah. liked Ian Bowling. I think that's slightly before my time, that one. Yeah. Bollocks. <laughs> um so uh so that's Mazza in both of our uh both of our elevens. Um moving on to I say the back four, I've got a back four slash back five. Um and it's mainly so that I could include one player. Um so Michael Bosley. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've got a back four. Uh, if you put in Bozzy in, in a holding midfielder role, um, you've got a back four of Harry Toffolo, Gareth McCauley, Paul Morgan, and Neil Erdley. Um, so we'll start, we'll go left to right. Um, Harry Toffolo, I just think, has been the best left back that I've seen at, at Lincoln in my time supporting them. Um, he was, you know, excellent on the field gave absolutely everything was fantastic off the field with the fans um you know from personal experience i know that and and obviously everybody that, that came into contact with toff away from the ground has just had nothing but positive things to say about him he's he's a fantastic lad um fantastic footballer and you know he's he's got a hell of a left foot um yeah that's that was my pick for left back well, I caused some controversy at left back uh, in the article because I had to get Kevin Austin in there somehow. Oh, um, shit, yeah. yeah, and at, at the end of the day, it's my team, and people say, "Well, Kevin Austin played left centre back." Yeah, he did. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but I wanted Sean Raggett in there, hmm. so um, so I put him. I put Kevin Austin at left back. Uh, he did play left back for us, I think, when he first signed. I might might be. 
kind of pushing that a little bit. But, um, you know, he had power and pace to get up the line. He was a right specimen. And I think uh, there'd be a couple of other shouts. I think Ian Barraclough, which, again, is probably before your time. But Ian Barraclough was a was a quality left back. People did talk about Stuart Bimson. Yeah, he had a decent corner. I'm not sure that he was quite up there when it came to some of the other players um, we'd seen. Dave Clark, which is before your time, which people of another people of a certain age will will accept. You know, he was great in the conference years, and he played right the way through to about '94, I think. Mm-hmm. As much as I rated Toff, if somebody said to me now, would you take prime Harry Toffolo or prime Kevin Austin in this Lincoln squad, I would pick Kevin Austin um, because I don't think Harry Toffolo's reached his prime yet. And I think that prime Kevin Austin was as good as Harry Toffolo um, was for us last season. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I... It, it was. It, I'll be honest. It was a choice that I never really thought to make because, yeah, you know, I, I, I know Kevin Austin is a centre back more than anything else, and unfortunately, I'm not having that. I'm not having that. <laughs> I'm not having that. <laughs> you cannot not... have it all you want. That's that's how I saw it. Right. People will hear the tapping of the wet uh, in the background <laughs> as I go. Uh, Kevin Austin, football manager, and it will tell me uh, hopefully where it probably won't actually will it this is bad radio um (laughs) well while you're doing that let me let me explain why i'm you know you you can continue trying to find kevin austin on on an old football manager game but it'll probably be championship manager to be fair um my my next choice um at uh left well at center back i chose uh, gareth mccauley and paul morgan um Paul Morgan simply because he was he was the captain in a side that was uh, he was just fantastic. Like, he was an amazing defender for his size. Um, we've spoken about him on the podcast before. I think he was um, I think he was a player that it, I don't think. I mean, going back to it, I would have been what seventeen, eighteen, I think at the time, and he was a you know he was a player that we just we we loved as a player, um, and he was just a fantastic. Um, just yeah, fantastic defender, fantastic captain. Um, and we very, you know, th- this was at the point where I didn't really see players away from the ground, but when I did, it was a case of you know trying to speak to them. And and Morgs was always really nice, and you know he seems like he's had a, a decent career going on from it. So, um, Paul Morgan for me was was the one that I tried to make way for um, in this squad. Um, he, he was, a, you know, a special player around that time, and uh, he deserves a spot in the in my eleven. I think. Very good, uh, Kevin Austin. He's actually listed as defender, left or central. So, okay, was central defender is listed as DC. He did play left back when he first signed. I've got no doubt whatsoever about that. Okay. Um, he certainly played left back. So, uh, what we were talking about, so we've done, you're going into centre back, are you? Yeah. Um, well, obviously, I'm not going to dispute Paul Morgan because he's the best centre back I've ever seen play for Lincoln. Um, mm-hmm. Simple as that. He read the game well. He was an excellent captain. He was a great leader. Um, I think he was unlucky not to be capped by Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was an injury that kind of ruled him out and maybe took a tiny bit of pace off him. Uh, but again, yeah, I thought he was a. Absolutely superb defender for the club. And I think it's hard because um, we've had so many good centre-backs. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not, I didn't pick McCauley, and you'll come on to him in a minute. Um, but you look at Jamie McComb, uh, mm-hmm. you look at Ben Futch, you look at Graham Brown, you look at Trevor Matheson, they're all players I mentioned, um, all who did really well for us. You look at players who went on and did a lot more like Jack Hobbs. You wouldn't pick him on what he did for Lincoln, but yeah. you know, where he's gone on and what he's done. I think centre back is where we've always been lucky, apart from when um, we had to play Nat Brown there. But I think no, that's this. No disrespect to Nat, but <laughs> it sounded quite harsh. Um, you know, we've been we were lucky. I mean, certainly on the Keith, we were blessed. Oh, absolutely. But Paul Morgan made average centre halves look good. I, I said Ben Futcher that I didn't actually rate Futcher. I thought he may as well have smashed. Yeah, he may as well have swung a washing machine on a chain at the football. He was that inaccurate, <laughs> but. He could head a ball, you know, he was yeah. brilliant in the air, but uh, you 
Well, he's 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 sort of he, he's the embodiment of what we've said before about about Kian Bolger in the current squad is that he he's a good defender, but he's not the best footballer. And I think you know they're obviously different class of players, but I think Ben Futcher at the time was the person that you would want in the box when a cross is coming in because he'd get his head on it. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think Kian's a better footballer than Ben was. Yes. Yeah. Um, but you know you can't take away the goals that Ben scored. He was leading scorer in two thousand and two oh three, and yeah, people go on that season and mention players like Simon Yeo, who yeah, I think he scored five goals in the league all season before playoffs, and then he bagged what three in the playoffs, and I think he put two away in a football league trophy game to give him a total of ten. Mm. They went seven months without scoring a league game and goal, and yet when you talk two thousand and two oh three, people say Simon Yeo. Mm. They'll mention Yeo. Whereas, you know, in actual fact that team was all about the defence. It was all about Alan Marriott. It was all about Paul Morgan, um, Bales and Bimo, who were both, you know, committed fullbacks who mm-hmm. have not got into our teams. But, you know, technically was Mark Bailey a a, a great footballer? Absolutely not. Um if you were in a war, would you want Mark Bailey next to you? Absolutely. You know, he would put a foot through anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was that team. And, and arguably, you know, Paul Morgan was a great defender. Simon Weaver was a very, very average defender. Ben Futcher was half a defender, the top half. Uh, <laughs> and yet, you know, it was a fantastic defence. And, and Weaver and Futcher both played their part. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my other centre-back um, is is Gareth McCauley. Um he was the other, you know, the other part alongside Ben Futcher that just made that central, def- uh, you know, made that defence. It was just solid. You know, you could you could have Macaulay and Futcher um, in the back, you know, in, in the back line, and there would not be a huge amount that would get past them. I, th- I can't remember the the defensive stats or the defensive record from from when they were playing together, but you know we were known for having one of the best defenses in the league around that time and it, it was because of the likes of, of Gareth McCauley um and obviously he went on to have a fantastic career has played for Northern Ireland more times than I care to remember um and is is in Northern Ireland folklore as uh you know as, as the goal scorer in their uh in their Euros campaign I do believe it was so yeah McCauley for me and and Paul Morgan um the first two names that I thought of when you think of a central defender for Lincoln City. Yeah, it's interesting. I think Futcher and McCauley probably had one season together, which was oh four, oh five. Mm. Um but I don't I don't recall them actually playing all that much together myself. Um because I think, you know, at the time as well we had Morgan and McComb. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it, it, to have those offer that offering at centre back now would be phenomenal. My other pick was Sean Raggett. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's easy to become clouded, and it depends what we're picking here. You know, are we picking our favourites? Possibly not. Are we picking the best again? Possibly not. It's kind of a, a hybrid of the two. Yeah. Um, I think with McCauley, it's easy to become clouded with what he went on to do. So he played Premier League football. You know, one of our own scoring in the Euros. Everybody kind of viewed it like that. You know, even though he was come from Ireland, but you know, he was. Yeah, you know, we brought him over here. We gave him his chance. He's one of ours. Um, and that, yeah, I remember he was—he was certainly a good, very good player uh, for City. Um, but for me, Sean Raggett was—he had a bit of everything. Mm. Um, he did it at both ends of the field. He could score. He could defend. He was great from set pieces at either end. He could play a little bit. He liked to bring the ball out and was a bit more comfortable on the ball than um, than Luke was. Yeah, you, know, you look at key moments, and it's very, very hard to to ignore. Um, obviously Burnley, mm-hmm. Eastley away, you know, that, that fit, he, he, it's hard because you, you think about National League winning side and I think about Nathan Arnold's goals and you think about Alex Woodyard's industry, but yeah, just the sheer bloody mindedness of Sean Raggett mm-hmm. at times carried us through and had it not been for Sean Raggett, we wouldn't be in the football league now. In my opinion, I don't think that we would have been promoted if we'd if we played with Waterfall and Howe all season. Again, no disrespect to Callum, mm-hmm. but Sean was a different class, absolute different class. And yeah, again, he obviously was ruled out for a while with injury. I don't think Norwich was the right move. I think he should have stepped up to League One and played regular football there before stepping up again. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I just think 
on the on the left side of defence, I just don't think we've had better than Sean Ragger in my memory. And bear in mind, yeah, I, I didn't. There's other players here that you go back a bit further. Tony James before your time. I didn't see an awful lot of Tony James because I was sporadic. You know, I was quite young and we weren't that well off to go to every game. But I mean, he was a quality centre back, mm. um, and obviously went on to play for Leicester City um, and had a, had a decent career. So we've we've been blessed with centre backs. I also remember um, Colin Greenall. So we haven't always been blessed with centre backs. <laughs> we've had some bad centre backs. We have had some bad centre backs as well. Dave Barnett. Anyone remembers Dave Barnett? I'm sure you do. He was um, oh god, what's the word? Shit. <laughs> um, just just hold back, Gary. Just you know, just say what you think. He didn't. He didn't have a good time for us. He didn't. And who was the lad that we sacked for fighting? Um, oh Christ! From Cambridge, wasn't he? Um, Scott. I should know that. I can't remember. Uh, I've just got no. this. I've just got this complete blank. I remember him coming and thinking he's going to be excellent because that, you know, you, you kind of, you, you had that feeling about a player and then he, he came and he wasn't excellent. Yeah. What's that noise? What Sorry. Doing? That's, uh, that's, that's Rach just uh, trying to ring me. Where is she downstairs? No, she's, she's, she's uh, had to swing by the office um, because the server room was basically nearly on fire. We'll cut this out. Um, yeah. Uh, right, so, um, so yeah, I think the um, Eustace Scott Eustace. That Jesus Christ, that is a name that I would not have remembered. I was thinking Scott Garner, but he was later. But it was yeah, it was Scott Eustace. Of course, it was. <laughs> and there was a, there was a Grant as well. Was it Anthony? Was it Anthony Grant? Come from West Ham, Anthony Henry, and he was he was a young player. Come from West Ham, it's Anthony Henry. We thought he was going to be great, and he wasn't. Dean uh, Chandler come from Charlton. Henry, bloody hell, Anthony Henry, that is a name that, yeah, I, I remember we all, because uh, it was around, uh, it, it was around, you know, the, the, the heyday of, uh, of of that Arsenal team, wasn't it? So we had all, all the people at the top saying, ah, Antoine Henry, instead of Anthony Henry, yeah. trying to make him oh, sound a bit more. And that we've done through all of that, and we've not mentioned Grant Brown or Steve Holmes. <clears throat> no, absolutely. I mean, Grant Brown and Steve Holmes... Um, it's it's you know absolutely no disrespect to them whatsoever. Grant Brown, tremendous servant for the club, and again one of the defenders that I remember seeing when I started supporting Lincoln. Um, just a fantastic defender, and Steve Holmes had a penalty like a you know foot like a traction engine when he went to go through them. Just fantastic, and again spoiled for choice. Absolutely, he was ginger as well. I he was, was like a ginger player. <laughs> So um he was a trainee at Lincoln, do you know that? Was he? He was a trainee at Lincoln in the late 80s and uh, and we let him go and obviously he went round I think he ended up at Preston and then came back here as a player. Yeah, not many people remember him as the trainee. If you look if you've got any programs from the 89-90 season, the one with the wheel horse kit and the really tight red uh big thick red stripes and thin white ones, narrow white ones. Yeah, he was a trainee that season and he was even more ginger then than he was later in life. Oh wow, I did not know that. Um, so then we come on to right back and my right back I've gone with Neil Erdley um, it, not so much recency bias but I think in terms of right backs I think he is legitimately the best right back that I've seen um, to play for us um, I think the other ones in that sort of in, in my time frame that, that immediately spring to mind were Jason Barnett um, Mark Bailey um, and, and Neil Erdley so um, I, I think from from the ones that emit, you know that, that stand out in my mind, I think Neil Erdley was the the obvious choice there. I think he's a, he's a fantastic player. Obviously, won Player of the Season um, a couple of years back, and the fact that he's managed to come through the injury worries that he had with the the style in which he has is just wonderful. I think he's a fantastic player. Hell of a free kick on him as well. I remember his one away at Cambridge. Um, was just proper postage stamp stuff, um, and easily would easily walk into any any Lincoln first eleven, um, to my mind anyway. Um, who did you go with? I went with Neil. Um, not so much for this season, although I think he's he's a more than adequate left 
uh, right back in League One, but certainly for the title winning season and certainly for um, the first season he was with us as well. Uh, I just, I, it's a tough call because uh, obviously we've had Tom Miller, who was really good at the time. I thought Tom was a great footballer. Um, uh, Jason Barnett, okay, that's more about longevity for me. Um, yeah, he, he was all right. Uh, Mark Bailey, you know, who I raved about for years and years, and it's only with. Uh, the benefit of time that I've kind of looked back on Mark Bale's a little bit different because I would always have picked him because he's my type of right back mm. in that he got up and down and he you know he put a tackle in at either end and I think probably I've become a little bit more cultured in my um, view of how football should be played and maybe football has developed to a point where now I like to see the right back as it as Neil um, you know kind of on the overlap getting the crosses in as as a danger with delivery as much as, as, um, as getting back. But th- to that end, you know, it's criminal that in my article, I didn't mention Dean West. Yes. Because um, he was a phenomenal player at the time, uh, obviously just released before the uh, the Beck years, um, allowed to be swapped with Kevin Hume, who was meant to come and add some steel and added nothing whatsoever. <laughs> I think he played six games before moaning off back up to the northeast or the northwest. Um, instantly forgettable footballer in a period where we made some terrible transfer decisions, like selling David Putnam and signing Joe Allen, <laughs> who apparently spent more time on the physio's bench having his piles attended to than anything. <laughs> Wonderful. Um I didn't. We have to get a move on. How many minutes are we on at the minute? Uh, we're on forty, so we'll okay, we'll, yeah. we'll come into the midfield. I mean, um, I've I've gone with my my holding midfielder, and if you had to have five at the back, uh, is obviously Michael Boswick. I think I've made no bones about it. He is he's. I think I've got a bit of a man crush on Bozzy. Um He's everything that you need in that kind of a you know that kind of a player. He's got the grit. He's got the determination. He's got the steel to do it, and he's you know you wouldn't want to mess with him i think anybody that comes in running at the defense you, they'd shit themselves if they saw bozzy he's just a phenomenal player and he's the first name on the team sheet for me in the current situation you know uh, well in in the current squad um absolutely like the fact that he can play uh midfield or center back kind of you know it, i'm cheating in a way to get him into the into my team but yeah i Bozzy by all by a long way for me. Yeah, um, regarding your man crush, I've got some bad news. You're not his type. Uh, yeah, I, I've got a feeling on that one, but too 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 much um, genitalia on the outside. Yeah, I know. I think as well. If we if we ever did get close, I think our beards might just be a bit velcroy. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, yeah, anyway, I'm not even going to try and think of anything <laughs> funny to say to that. <laughs> Because it's grossing me out. Um, obviously, I picked uh, picked the same player, mm-hmm. and again, it was a bit of a cheat to try and get him in the side. Alex Woodyard would be very, very close, and I know people talk about sideways passing and all of that. But you know, up until Alex Woodyard, many people thought that the holding midfield role was about running and pointing, which um, Gary Mills did very well under David Holdsworth for seventeen games. What he didn't do so well was anything regarding football. Um, which was a shame. Scott Kerr um, wouldn't get in the side, but he's another that you would have to kind of look at as for his longevity, mm-hmm. if, if anything. Um, going further back, Graham Bressington would probably have played there. He was a you know, player that I used to think was untouchable, phenomenal player. Bob Cumming probably played a little bit further forward, and that's again before your time. Um, but again, in terms of time, it's easy to say best players that we've seen play. But when I'm thinking back to when I was 11 or 12, I didn't understand the intricacies of the game or you know the tactical approach. Mm-hmm. So you were looking at players that scored goals as much as anything. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, a, it's an area that we've been blessed. Joe Morrell wouldn't be a million miles away. Mm. Yeah. Really wouldn't. John Finnegan might have played there as well. Really like John Finnegan. Yeah, yeah. He's a uh, yeah strong, strong, fond memories of John Finnegan as well. Um, the crush? No, not quite. Not quite. I was a bit too young to to have developed man crushes without uh, you know without saying at the end of it. But I'm not gay though. Um, yeah, okay. So uh, so my two my two uh, well the midfield three shall we say um, across the middle. I've got Peter Gain on the left. I've got Richard Butcher in the middle, and then Gareth Ainsworth out on the right. Now, 
Pete again, I'm pretty sure he will be in yours as well. Um, it, it just what a left foot that man had. Just a wonderful player. Absolutely wonderful player. Um, is it, it, Did he make yours? No, I obviously picked somebody else um, there other than my favourite player of all time. <laughs> of course he made mine. I've, I, I've, I've totally spoken enough about Pete again. Most people, if you ask their favourite Lincoln player and they're of a certain age, it will almost certainly always be Sir Gareth. Um, but for me, it's Gainey. And I, perhaps he didn't quite have the impact that he should have done at Lincoln mm. um, for the impact his ability certainly offered. Uh, he rarely played on the outside of the Keith's 5-2-3. And if he played on the left of the 5-2-3, I think he would have scored and created more goals. Yep. But more often than not, he would play as a midfield two uh, with Butch. Um, as good as you know, as good a midfield two as it came, but when the ball, it was front to back quite a lot and they were almost like a, a barrier. They were the wall that you lifted it over rather than feeding the ball through, I think, a lot of the time. And that's no disrespect to Keith's tactics because they did really well for us. But I think they were two players who um, certainly, I think, could have thrived in different conditions. And I think, you know, when Butch went to Notts County and scored 15 goals in a season, I think you saw what was these players, those two players were able to do, which makes it remarkable because Keith actually had a, a great eye for a player and he assembled a good squad. Although I don't think he signed Pete again. Um, I think that might even have been Phil Stamped, but I might be wrong. I think you might. Yeah, I think. I, I don't know, to be honest. I, it's... It might have been Phil Stamped. I know he came on loan initially and I didn't mm. know that. I actually always thought he signed permanently and someone corrected me the other week. Mm. Um, but yeah, obviously Pete again and Gareth Ainsworth, and there's a lot, there's an awful lot of wingers that we've had and players that you would say actually that you know he was a top player. Uh, there's Bruno, there's Nathan. You go further back, there's David Putnam, um, there's Danny and Gesson, who was who was superb on his day. There's Jeff Hughes, who hasn't warranted a mention on the left hand side. Who had a great season for us at one point as well. Yeah, I remember one goal that Jeff Hughes scored, and um, I think I ended up on six oh six that night just talking about it because it was. Uh, it was one where I think it was phenomenal goal that he scored, and then um, I think I texted six oh six at the time because I was that kind of a man, um, and uh, they rang me back and I, I spoke about it on air, and they said, "Oh, you know, was it a decent goal?" And I was like, "Yeah, it would be worthy of gracing the Premier League because if it was in the Premier League, we wouldn't stop talking about it for about six months." And uh, they went and watched it. And they went, "Oh, actually, yeah, it was, it was pretty good." Um, little pointless anecdote there, but. Um, I mean, yeah, let, let, let's talk about Sir Gareth then, because, I mean, it, he was he was a player, and there's a, there's a bit of a sort of meme going around on, on Facebook at the minute, which is, you know, five players that made you fall in love with football, and you've got to tag your mates in it or whatever. And I think, for me... The, I've not been tagged in that. Do you know what that says about me? You've not got any mates? Bingo. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, for me, first name, absolutely the first name, on there without a doubt was Gareth Ainsworth. He was, he was the player to watch when I went to, you know, when I went to Lincoln city. And I th- I remember going into a news agents in Sleaford on the way home from school, um, on the way down to the train station. And I walked into the news agents and I saw on the back page that Gareth Ainsworth had left. And I felt genuinely sad about a football for the first time. Like I was legitimately gutted when he left. Um, but yeah, just, just what a player! Well, what a player! Used, Gareth was. He used to play pool for one of the pubs at Haynton. I know one's the Butcher and the Beast. I can't think which the other one is. Turks Head. Yeah, he used to play pool for one of them. Mm. Uh, and I used to play for the Ivy Club in rugby. And I remember at the beginning of the pool season, looking for the Turks Head, thinking I'm going to get to meet Gareth Ainsworth. And yeah, I like memorabilia, you might have noticed. Hmm. So it was going to be, I'm going to get a photo taken with him on a proper camera with a film back then. I'm going to get something signed. And the week came, and on the Saturday before I was due to meet him, on the Thursday that we had the Turks at the Ivy Club, he scored a hat-trick for Lincoln against Scarborough. And I remember um, walking out, thinking I'm going to meet him on Thursday. And then I think he played on the Tuesday night, and we got beat by Rotherham, and then he Kim left on the Wednesday and the Turks said or the Butcher and the Beast turned up to play pool on the Thursday with five players because he had gone off to sign his deal and I had to play for them as Gareth Ainsworth against my dad and my dad beat me. (laughs) But you let him win, surely. You let him win. 
No, I did not let him win at all. <laughs> I learned a, I learned a lesson very early in my life that if you let my dad win, he gets pissed off. <laughs> we used to play uh, sensible soccer. I used to have my dad play him. It was how we bonded. We didn't always get on when we were younger because he thought that I liked things that were a bit effeminate, like books and reading, um, where he wanted me to be doing things like fighting and building engines. <laughs> and um, yeah, we, we bonded over a game of sensible soccer and I beat him four or five times really heavily because he was shit. And um, well, this one time I let him win and I told mum that I'd let him win and mum told him that I let him win and he never played on a computer game with me again because he said, if you play and let somebody win, you're not playing. It's insulting. No, that's fair enough. So, um, there we go. But yeah, Gareth Ainsworth got my right wing as well. There you go. Just, yeah. No more need. No more needs to be said about Sir Gareth there. Um, and for the other midfielding role or midfield role, I've I've gone with Richard Butcher. Um, midfielding. Midfielding, yes. Um, it's it's not as bad as somebody that uh, when we when I was talking to them about the um, uh, and I apologise to Matt on this one. Uh, we were talking about needing a striker, and he couldn't remember the the word for striker, so he said we need another up frontsman. Which I thought was just brilliant. So every time I see him, I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, got that new up frontsman yet?" Yeah. Um, well, as as an aside, I actually once went into Holford's when I needed a tire inflator for my car. But I couldn't think of the words tire inflator, so legitimately, I asked the guy behind the counter if he had a tire pump grupper. <laughs> and uh, he basically laughed at me. I mean, and, yeah. yeah, I, I was thirty eight. I was 38. I can't remember. I said, "Have you got a tire pumper upper?" Yeah, oh dear! I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get started on some of the things that, uh, that the good lady wife has said because she will lynch me when she hears the podcast. Yeah. But um... female as well. Very quickly though, we were watching Top Boy, and they talk on Top Boy. They they talk about drugs, but they always say food. And it took three episodes before we realised that the characters weren't just really hungry. <laughs> Genuinely. Wow. Oh man, that's brilliant. Um, so yes, the other midfielder, uh, I've gone with Richard Butcher just because, like you say, it it was there was the element of him and Gainey just sort of watching the ball go over their heads for a lot of the time in um, in in those years. But when he got on the ball, he he was a special player, really was. Um, and you know, to me, he is one of the standouts from from that era. Um, and you know we've had some great midfielders before and since but to me and it there is I don't know if it's you know that this sort of pang of nostalgia and obviously the situation with with Keith and Butch but there's just something about about uh you know Richard Butcher that that um that, that leads me to to put him straight into the side so he is my well, last midfielder you see I picked Butch as well on my article and I've since gone away and I've thought about it. And I, I think, I don't know whether my heart's rule in my head because I mean, I, I like Butch. I, I thought he was a great player. I think he epitomized a fantastic era. Um, you know, if I go back to the conference years, I did see Bob Cumming play and I know that he was quality, but it doesn't stick in my mind that I saw him play and he was brilliant. Do you know what I mean? It, mm. I know he was brilliant retrospectively, but at the time it didn't really kind of come kick me in the ball so to speak mm. and I think when I actually think of central midfielders attacking midfielders who could chip in with a goal who were cultured on the ball who had everything that I like to see in a number eight I actually think of a player from perhaps our darkest hour um, or our darkest football league one of our darkest football league hours which is when we nearly went into administration uh, Justin Walker what um, a player Justin Walker was great hairstyle as well great yeah, haircut and- He's one that you tend to overlook a little bit, like John Finnegan to a degree, mm. in that he, he played at quite a tough time. And, you know, there was a lot of other players in that, that team at the time um, that perhaps weren't as good. But, yeah, that, when you think we actually had a decent side for a while there with Justin Walker, I think Peter Gain joined while Walker was there. So we had Gain at the time. You had Grant Brown was coming to the end of his career. You had Steve Holmes. Uh, Mark Bailey and Stuart Vimson, I seem to think, no, Bay, Bailey and Bimson there beforehand. Bimo was Bimo was there, I think. Um, I think Bailey was probably a little bit later. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, obviously, it would only have been the summer later, wouldn't it? Cause, yes. Well, yeah. Um, and, but, you know, you, you just look at some of the players that we had. Mm. And even Lee Thorpe, you know, if you've got a decent striker playing off Lee Thorpe, 
we would have had a lot more goals, but we never did. We had Dave Cameron, greatest respect, was very, very limited. Um, Richard Peacock, greatest respect, very limited. And then you look at your Anthony Henrys and your Dean Chandlers. But I think, you know, you, I mean, I spoke um, last year, a couple of years ago now, to uh, Bailey joined in October 2001. Oh, okay. So that's right. Um, <laughs> we were speaking to Marcus Sturgiopoulos, who basically said that there were some good players in that team, but then there was other players that weren't and were getting the nod. And I'm thinking Adam Buckley, I'm thinking Kingsley Black, I'm thinking Ian Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And these were players that you know just, just weren't that good. Um, but Justin Walker springs to mind. Um, yeah, I've got to mention Alan Power. He won't get in the side, but you know he again played for us during a really tough time. Um, excellent servant for the club, and if you were looking at favourite players, Alan Power might be there. Mm-hmm. Again, it's hard to not mention uh, Graham Bressington. It's hard to not think about um, Joe Morrell potentially yeah. Yeah, yeah. playing in that role as well. So Lee Frecklington. Uh, huge for us in those first years that he came through. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think I was chastised. I was chastised by a number of people for different things, but not putting Lee Frecklington in was something that people thought was criminal. Um, so somebody else, I think Dan Shin mentioned that he felt that five and six are your centre-backs and number four is your holding midfielder. So I got the numbers wrong. Ah, that's, that's, that's logistics. Uh, logistics? Semantics. That's the word I'm looking for. It's semantics at this point. Isn't that what the Labour Party were? Gary. Anti- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> my words mixed up. Um, words so mixed up. then we come to the top two. And to my mind, there was there was really only, well, there was one name that was immediately straight down on the, on the sheet. Um, and that was Jamie Forrester. Uh, the, the player that I think got, a, a, not necessarily the short shrift, but he, he didn't get as many of the headlines. Um, when he was playing, but he was always a player that could make things happen. Um, when I, you know, when I saw him, um, exciting striker, and you know, scored a hatful. Um, and he was, he was by far the first name that I, I thought of when I said, you know, who would you have from Lincoln City's past as a striker? Um, so yeah, it, my first one was Jamie Forrester, and my second one um, was Reedy because he he defied you know, the odds of whatever was put in front of him. You know, you say, oh, he's a fat bastard that can't play football. And then he comes off with little touches like he does against Forest Green that set Waterfall up. You know, he he sets up um, he sets up Nathan Arnold like he did against Gateshead. You know, the, the, the range that Matt Reed had was something else. I mean, yes, he was a big man, but just, I don't want to use the cliche that he, you know, he had a big, good touch for a big man, but he, he really did. He could play football as well as just, you know, brutalise people if he needed to. And he found an affinity with the fans um, that I don't think I've seen before or since, to be honest. Like, there is a there is a real affinity with Reedy that I've, yeah, I, I don't think I've seen before um, with, with Lincoln City fans. Um, so your, your top two, who did you go with? I did pick Jamie Forrester. Um, I think for what he brought to the side in the 2006-07 season. You know, Forrester and Stallard were the classic combination. Um, for me, Forrester had lost maybe an ounce of his pace by then. I've said it a million times. He was so clever that it didn't matter mm-hmm. because it, he just moved into the positions a little bit earlier so that he was there on the same time he would have been if he was quick. Yeah. Um, he was he was a thinking man's footballer. He scored some great goals. I think uh, I think he played 90 times in, uh, in, in the league, including his loan, and scored 35 goals. So it was more than one in three, which um, was a really good return. I don't think he should have been let go when he was, even though he only scored 12 in his... 2007-08 season. Um, no, um, 07 08, and then he was allowed to leave. Can't remember. But whichever it was, I don't think Forrester should have been allowed to go. He went to Notts County, um, as a lot of players did when they left us. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I certainly picked Jamie um, in, living, in my living memory. The other one was he's a little bit more born out of sentiment than anything, but before, you know, he could have been any number. I mean, it could quite easily have been Matt Reed. Um, I think he was phenomenal in the in the conference season, and he did a job in the football league. And I was trying to add a balance to it. You know, if they were brilliant in the conference season, I was trying to almost add like a leveler to that. That right, well, if it's someone that was brilliant in League Two, 
then that's going to put them in a step a little bit higher, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, hard not to pick Tyler Walker for for the six months that he put in on the same uh, train of thought as it's hard not to pick David Sommer for the three months that he was at the club because they were both utterly phenomenal during the time they were here. And Walker was. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't get a lot of opportunities fed to him at times. We struggled quite a lot for goals during October and I think it was only him scoring. And if it weren't for Tyler Walker, we would be in a right down there right now with Tranmere and, and maybe even South End. So mm-hmm. yeah, he was phenomenal. Lee Thorpe, it's hard not to mention because he had some great seasons with us. Tony mm-hmm. Lorma was a fantastic footballer, a fantastic striker. I actually really rated Ben Tomlinson. Um, mm, Phil yeah. Stamp when he came in on loan. We've actually had quite a lot of decent strikers over the years, and people will argue against that and say that we haven't. But you know, the bad one. We've had dry years, yeah. Um, but we've had some decent strikers as well. I've gone for Gordon Hobson, um, mm. and maybe he wouldn't be as much of a striker. He might have to drift out wide. I might have to rethink my formation. Um, but I, I would know Gordon Hobson was a legend before I, I watched the club. T- uh, watched the club. I remember him being an excellent player in my second full season, which was um, eighty eight, eighty nine. I think he scored fifteen goals in forty games. Um, yeah, and it, it's sentiment because my, he gave my he presented my granddad with a, a signed football in the uh, ooh, must have been the nineteen ninety one season. Might have been eighty nine ninety season. He was out injured. We lost three one to Gillingham. Um, and granddad uh, passed away a year or two later and I got the football and Gordon Hobson has just always held this mystique for me um, and it would be you know, that's heart ruling head perhaps I don't know you know if I if you if it was players that I physically remember very very clearly it'd actually be hard not to pick Stallard and Forrester as a pairing yeah I mean that, that's a, that's a fair shout I mean you've mentioned Thorpey there I think you know Lee Thorpe was a player that that he he came in what was it ninety seven ninety eight um, yeah, season that we we went up. Um, I've I've told the story before about me trying to recreate his goal against Brighton many a time, and you know the fact is that I destroyed a greenhouse trying to recreate that goal, um, and it was it, it was a special moment. And again, he's a player that holds a, a very dear place in my heart and in my memory. Um, I I just couldn't. I, I just think I, I don't think I could pick him above the two players that I've put in. Um, I just think Reedy was was a one in a million kind of player for us, um, and you know Forrester was the first striker that comes to mind. So, um, so that is I think that is our uh, that is our top elevens. Um, more similarities than I would have expected, if I'm honest. Yeah, I'm not sure you didn't just copy and paste mine and change two names. I have not read yours, Gary. Yeah, I'm not so sure. I have not read yours. <laughs> I'm winding you up. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't read my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I do. I've just not had. Uh, I've just not had the the time or the inclination this week. I'll, um, I'll tell you this story, and I know that you won't have seen it. But uh, Chris Ray's um, semi final, where one of the questions was about an article. Was was the answer was in an article that I'd written that day, and it just tickled me so much because he got it wrong, and the other and and John got it right, and I couldn't stop laughing when I just said to Chris that I'll teach you not to read my art to read my articles. <laughs> and for some reason, I just I just couldn't stop laughing. It really tickled me, and there's a lesson there uh, to be learned. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's you know, it, it's uh, it it's a strong eleven. Um, you know, regardless of which one you pick, I think. The it's quite interesting to listen to the Radio Lincolnshire podcast because because uh, Tomo and um, Chris Ashton have a bit of a they have a bit of a ding dong about it because um, uh, Tomo obviously picked himself alongside Peaky um, yeah. in defence and he was saying that you know that he was saying that the the reason he did that was because it was uh, for the um, you know you've got the partnership there and you're not just picking individuals you think well in that case you're not just going to pick players from the same same era regardless but. Anyway, that that is our. Uh, they are our top elevens. Um, let us know yours on on Twitter and that. It would be uh, it'd be good. Who would you have managing the side though? From managers that you have seen, Danny Cowley. Yeah, I think it's the it's the obvious answer. Um, it, as much as I 
loved Keith and as much as I, you know, adored what he did, um, I don't think it's possible to to say that you wouldn't have our most successful manager taking charge of that side. Um, so yeah, right. We've gone over an hour. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? No, I'm desperate for a wee, and I haven't turned the oven on yet. So. Oh, crap. Yeah, you did say about half an hour ago. Remind me, I need to turn the oven on. So, um, Right, we will let you go. But before we do, um, don't forget, tonight, if you're listening to this when it goes up, uh, Gary is talking to um, to Mr. Swaybu. Um, and next Tuesday, uh, I will be on Radio Lincolnshire talking about video games. So that should be a good chat. Um, I'll be on with, uh, with Mr. Makepeace. So, uh, yeah, tune in and we will see you guys i mean i think we'll probably try and get one out next week because this has been fun it's been nice to get you, back um, to it you're not going to ask me if i've got anything to plug well well you know have you got anything to plug yeah oh shit yeah there you <laughs> go the final of the quiz i don't know when it is um but it'll be before the next podcast so yeah there'll be the final of the quiz kev barwise versus john leonard which is going to be uh very exciting absolutely so there we go i did have something to plug there we go so just... Oh, and if anyone's selling a pool table, but it's got to be a proper pub pool table, you know, like a coin-operated one. I don't want one of these one of these crappy ones that folds up and goes under the stairs. <laughs> if anyone's got one of those that they don't want and they're looking to sell or know someone that might be selling one, ideally seven by four, uh, hit me up. Slide into my DMs, as um, the Utes say. <laughs> Actually, I've been watching Top Boy. I've got to say this. I've been watching Top Boy. And I keep going to the dog. Wag one. <laughs> you need to watch Tiger King as well. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I need to play some Grand Theft Auto tonight against my brother, but it's half six and I haven't put the oven on yet. You need to watch Tiger King, and then you'll understand why everything is the fault of that bitch, Carol Baskin. Um, so, right, we will Can see I you guys. That dog? <laughs> Can I pick that dog? We will see you guys next week. Take care. All right, bye bye. the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.